Section four of Dog Heroes of Many Lands. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Myra Parker. Dog Heroes of Many Lands by Sarah Noble Ives. Chapter three Sarah, Dog of the Ettrick Hills. Part two so it was settled that they should stay the night for a fair start in the morning the ewe now stowed away snugly in a pen was a wild young animal bred in the mountains and with absolutely nothing of the tractable leadable nature usually ascribed to sheep kind in the morning the instant the pen door was opened she was out and away in leaps and bounds deer-like and fleet it would be a swift and merry chase for any who might follow but Sarah was ready. From the moment when they approached the sheepfold in the gray of the morning, his ears had stood alert, and his tail waved in quick nervous jerks of gleeful anticipation. As the ewe bounded away up a steep hillock, Sarah stood still an instant, as if considering. After her, Sarah lad! One keen look of understanding at his master, and the dog was away, like a streak of black lightning, but not in the wake of the disappearing ewe no cunningly he had watched the direction of her flight and now with the wisdom of a sage he started on a circuitous route by which he could head her off and bring her back to mr tweedy's where jamie stood waiting confident of the ability of sarah to do the work laid out for him up the hill went the ewe picking her way over the rocks as one of the hillside born around by the burnside at the foot of the hill dashed sarah what goes up must come down and that hill was not over high when the ewe happy in her escape from bondage came ambling down the other side there stood sarah waiting and along the burn back to where she had started she had to travel willy-nilly you see said jamie bursting with pride and triumph i see said mr tweedy you'll have her home by nightfall losh but he's a dog in a thousand well good luck to you good dog sirrah hunt her home home sirrah man down the track they went first the ewe then the collie then the boy now and then the harried ewe would make a dash up a slope or down a wild ravine but never once did she trick sirrah with a watchful eye he observed her every turn with supernatural wisdom he thought out her probable cause and intercepted her beating her at her own game of hide-and-seek soon they were both out of sight now and again as jamie rounded the track he would catch a glimpse of flashing white and black and knew that the dog was keeping her in the direction of home here and there they passed flocks of grazing sheep and the ewe would make an effort to join her woolly comrades but always there was sirrah to be reckoned with she would give a bound in a series of desperate leaps and try to lose herself in a huddled flock in at them would go sirrah unerringly he would weed out his one charge separate her from her fellows and send her bleating on her way at the great height over muir water they crossed far in advance of jamie and after that though he looked in vain on all sides for miles of the way no longer did he see a trace of them a slight uneasiness grew up in the heart of the young ettrick shepherd which grew to be a real anxiety as he followed the lonely track without seeing the familiar flashes of white ewe and black dog once down a lonely grill he thought he saw the ewe but it was only the snowy foam of a tiny streamlet as it leaped over a great boulder and hurried on to join the bigger stream in the valley 
the shadows of the hills lengthened and all the ravines lay in sombre gloom only a twinkling bit of water here and there gave back a gleam of the blue above higher and higher climbed the shadows till just the tips of the mountains glinted gold above the purple depths the huddled groups of moss-grown rocks looked like bands of fugitives at prayer the only sounds were the bleating and baaing of the flocks as they wound down the sheep tracks with the blue and brown clad shepherds and the tireless darting dogs but never a sign of sirrah or the wild ewe jamie stopped a shepherd who crossed his path have you seen a wild white ewe and a black collie with brown whiskers none but my own and farmer gilroy's have you lost them if they had passed me on the way they would have disturbed my flock with rushing in and upsetting the quiet again he stopped the master of a homeward-bound flock with the same question ay i have seen them the ewe came into my flock fair spent with running and would have hidden herself but no at her heels came the collie and off she goes like the devil was after her likely i'll find them soon good even to you jamie went on but he did not feel overconfident it was none too easy for himself to keep the path that he had never travelled until yesterday a path wild and tortuous crossed by other sheep tracks and almost lost here and there where it passed over rocky ledges that could not be beaten into a track sirrah too had never before made the journey from stanhope with even his sagacity he might easily stray in following and driving back his erratic charge the sun sank behind the farthest range of hills through a gap in the cleuch jamie could see the meadow of carterhow once more lying calm and peaceful in the mellow twilight almost home and no sirrah no yes on a corner of the last hill beside a burn that flowed into yarrow river sat a black dog with brown whiskers patiently he sat until jamie came near his breath came pantingly and his tongue lolled from his mouth but his tail flapped on the stones and there was a gleam of triumph in his eye as he gave jamie a casual glance just a flip of a look and then gazed steadfastly once more at a white spot among the rocks there stood the ewe meekly enough now and glad to rest after her wearisome chase she was cornered neatly and could not have escaped had she the strength left to try as jamie's hand fell on sirrah's sagacious head he looked up again and said with his tender eyes she's yours master then he was up again and driving her on to the byre gay and animated under the approving eye of jamie the beloved as the dark dropped down he herded her not toward the fold but toward the door of black house evidently confident that jamie would want her there but to his astonishment his master took a hand and the ewe was driven to the fold and turned in with the other sheep down went sirrah's tail down went his head it was as if his hard work had been all for nothing just to add one more to the goodly number already there he had spent that weary day for his jamie and at least the bothersome beastie should have been given a pen near the byre loft where jamie slept he walked away in disgusted silence come sirrah and get your well-earned supper sirrah sirrah you old fool you've no call to be grumpy after such a day's good work but sirrah came not down by the peat stack he sat the whole evening and sulked and not one bite would he touch so disappointed was he at jamie's disposal of the white ewe 
his action said plainly after all my trouble you turned the ewe into the fold like a common animal and i had brought her for you alone master lambing time had come again and it was a very busy season for the shepherds at black house seven hundred lambs did walter laidlaw count in his flock and the time had come for weaning them they were of a short black-faced breed wild and hard to manage and it was no small affair to separate them from their mothers in the fold what with the ewes calling and the pitiful bleating of the lambs there was a din and hubbub you may be sure another lad called jock was set as helper to jamie to herd the lambs on the moor and the two watched night and day there was work enough and to spare cut out for both and plenty more for sarah and another dog for four days and nights the lads took turn and turn about the dogs napping as they could then came a black night moonless and hung with heavy clouds that seemed almost to rest on the earth one could not see his hand before his face even on the open moor the incessant bleating and crying of the hungry lonesome little creatures filled the air with a great clamor now and then a few would detach themselves and run about aimlessly bleating louder than ever but they were encamped too far away from the fold to hear their mother's pleadings so it came to nothing sirrah or tyke the other dog always discovered their attempts to return home and drove back the rebels the night wore on and finally the wailing and grumbling ceased tyke wearied with the never-ceasing activity of the day dropped exhausted by the side of jock who was sleeping heavily only jamie whose watch it was moved to and fro to keep the chill from his bones while sirrah sat sharing the watch with eyes on the flock and with now and then a glance in the direction of the moving shape he so loved near midnight a silence fell heavy as the hand of death the little night noises of the spring seemed suddenly hushed the oppression of the still darkness and the long watch settled over jamie and even as he passed to and fro he slept as soldiers will sleep on a long and dog-weary night march in the midst of the flock began a stir a ghostly murmur at first then a low rumble but it failed to rouse the sleepwalker or the lad on the ground only sirrah rose with a low growl waving his tail with a short nervous motion his head forward and his ears cocked the noise grew slowly louder and louder a sound of many bodies moving sirrah ran and put his muzzle in jamie's hand master he seemed to say there is danger awake and be ready eh what said jamie lifting his head with a start the sound was a roar now like a waterfall no not that it was the sound of an army tramping the dead air woke to life and whirled around the whole flock was moving jock jock wake up man the lambs are swirling ay they were indeed round and round in an aimless but concerted spiral the lambs were moving in an uneasiness without a leader a spontaneous mother yearning seemed to move them then as the momentum increased they seemed to fly off from their circle in three tangents and with a roar of rushing bodies and a clamor of crying for their mammies they separated and the lads with their eyes accustomed to the darkness could see enough to know that the flock had broken into three great masses one rushing southward 
another to the north, and the third and largest mass heading straight toward the fold. If they found their dams, there might be a general outbreak and many lives lost. Sarah, Sarah, man, they're running away. Hold them back to the moor. Jock and Jamie were madly waving their plaids and shouting, following the division headed for home. That must be stopped at all hazards. They whistled to the dogs, and Tyke came up excitedly, but Sarah was nowhere to be seen. Suddenly, the retreating thunder came nearer again. The lambs headed for the fold, had turned their course, and were coming back. They swirled and swished once or twice about the astonished shepherds, and were off again into the darkness of the moor. I'm thinking they will not be back here, said Jamie. Do you, Jock, follow the flock as is running south, and I'll take the north. Tyke can go with you. So they separated and were swallowed up in the black silence. To make sure of the worst danger being passed, Jamie went to the fold, but nowhere was to be heard the bleat of a lamb. Then he struck out to the north, following a well-known sheep path by which the lambs might have traveled. For an hour he walked, wrapping himself tighter in his plaid to keep out the chill of a rising wind, now listening, now running ahead at some fancied sound, stumbling over rock and bush across the moorland, now on the hills, with the shepherd's instinct for the track, up Hope and down Cluch, across Yarrow River at a ford, then listening again. No sound at all now, save the running of water and the moan of the rising wind in a clump of fir trees. He must have followed the wrong path. Back again, exhausted and shivering, to a place where another track branched off and led up far away into the Black Cluch, a deep and dangerous ravine. Still no sound, nor any trace of the lambs or the missing Syrah. A pale light grew and spread over the cloudy east. The wind, which had nipped Jamie, began to clear away the gray banks, and the light grew to a ghostly yellow. It was easier now to travel, although to men who are accustomed to the open at night, things become simple that to the stranger would be impossible. Jamie had wandered far, and the first real crack of dawn showed him the black cluch, wild and desolate, stretching its perilous rifts below him as he followed the sheep path worn like a gully into its steep side. Across the cluch he saw a gray figure, also looking with searching, weary eyes, and beside him a dejected sheepdog. Jock and Tyke they were, and as Jamie came up to them, a more forlorn, pinched, and haggard-looking trio one would not care to see. Have ye seen anything of the lambs? Not since the dawn. Once in the blackest of it, a crowd of the beasties came past me, but they were daft-like, and Tyke and me could not stop them. They just went whirling away, and we lost them. Tyke is fair worn out, and could not run after them. Have you seen aught of Sarah? I do not know for sure. There was a beastie running alone behind, but I could not tell if it might be Sarah or a lamb. Well, we must give it up and go home. Mr. Laidlaw will want to pull us by the ears for losing the lambs. Maybe we will get some of them yet, but it's more likely they're all in the hills, and the smallest of them may be dead. Heads down with disappointment, they started for home. The two lads and the dog, cold and hungry, dragging legs of wood. Out of Black Cluch they clambered, over hills and down into another wild gorge, known as Flesh Cluch. 
suddenly tyke lifted his head and sniffed the air excitedly then he barked and started forward as fast as his tired feet could carry him round a bend he went the lads following and jock cried there's a body of lambs in the cluch look jamie jamie looked and then started forward roused to activity it'll be sarah the canny old devil he is he's found one of the divisions and he's holding them who knows but he'll find the others yes there stood sarah ready to drop with fatigue and anxiety but attending strictly to the duty that was plainly his to hold the lambs until his master came he gave a joyous bark when he saw jamie but he never stirred from the spot where he had mounted guard the sun broke through the clouds and trembled a moment down the cliff to laugh at sarah's night work the lads looked down and began to count the flock one hundred two three four five preserve us all said jamie at last with a great happy roar of laughter it's not canny sarah's got them all the whole seven hundred i dare say there's not one of them missing what do you know about that now sarah you rogue how did you know the way of finding them it's past belief there's not another dog in the county as could have done it said jock sure enough there was the whole flock not even the weest lamb missing it seemed incredible but it was nevertheless true how had sarah accomplished the wonder no one will ever know how in the blackness of the night he had driven one division until he found another and back again until he found the third but there they were a weary but sore flock and his own head sagging from pure heaviness but all safe sarah grew old alas that the life of a dog is so short when he would seem to be at his best there comes the clouding vision the weakened scent and the faithful friend is a poor old body there came a time when sarah could no longer do the active alert work of a young dog and a shepherd dog must be equal to heavy tasks or he is not of use jamie now had also a son of sarah hector by name young and well trained as his father had been and he felt that he could not impose on the laid laws by keeping a useless old dog the fight for existence on the bare hills of scotland sometimes puts the recognition of past service in the background and charity must bow to necessity sarah lad said jamie when he could no longer put off the evil day you cannot do your work well with your old eyes and your poor hearing i must let you go but you'll get a good master and you know him it's sandy mcwhirter and the work with him will not be hard i cannot bear to let you go old man but go you must no sandy you need not give me the pound now bide a bit and see how sarah holds himself sarah you are to go with sandy and work for him do you know what i say lad go away with him now and you're not to come here any more the light went out of sarah's eye could this be jamie speaking to him he was to go with sandy well so be it he looked at his old-time master with a heartbroken whimper and then with his head hanging followed after the new after all perhaps it was just a loan to help sandy with his small flock for a day so taking heart again he went all the way with sandy and slept quietly through the night morning came and he went with sandy and his flock to the moor 
all day long he worked nobly driving the sheep in the way they should go doing his duty like the best collie in the ettrick hills to-morrow he would be going home again to jamie and then he would receive his reward of praise night came after a weary day but no jamie came to fetch him cyril watched until the darkness closed him in and refused his supper sandy fearing that he might run away shut him in an empty sheep pen for the night but he need not have feared sirrah had been told to stay with sandy and he would not go until jamie came to fetch him and risk the mortification of being sent back all night he lay waiting morning came and still no jamie and now sirrah began to realize that jamie had deserted him there would be no more evenings in the cowhouse when he could sing to the tune of jamie's fiddle no more happy days on the hills and moors tending and herding the sheep while jamie and willie laidlaw read poetry and talked of the fairies often before this jamie had lent him for a day to one of the family but at night there was always a welcome back now that was to be no more sandy was kind yes but he was not jamie sarah's allegiance had been given forever to one master through the night he lay awake with his head between his paws in deep dejection in the morning hunger drove him to his food and afterwards he went with sandy to the fold but instead of driving the sheep as usual he hung back and followed sandy at a little distance he had made up his mind as to how he would meet his fallen fortunes at them sirrah commanded sandy don't you see that old you running away at her man into the flock dashed sirrah but he paid no attention to the straying ewe among the sheep he ran like an unbroken puppy barking in the midst of them and creating all manner of confusion in the erstwhile orderly flock what's got you sirrah you're not yourself run for the ewe you ill-favored sinner sirrah cocked his eye at sandy tossed his head and with a loud bark of defiance made another wild dash at the sheep who lost their heads and had it not been for sandy's other dog they would have broken out across the moor in all directions sandy tried moral suasion he tried beating he tried bribing he tried every known method in vain sirrah would not work the master he loved above anything on earth had deserted him and no one else should get a day's work out of him and no one ever did sirrah's pride kept him from going back to jamie somehow his lonely heart understood that sandy owned him now but work for sandy he would not no indeed if he was too old to work for the one that he loved he was old enough to retire from active service and retire he did sandy took him to his father who kept him till he died for the sake of what he had been in his young days never again did sirrah attempt to go either to black house or to the old home at ettrick but he knew the old road that jamie took to the hill with his flock he might perhaps go there for a glimpse of the master he so loved in the early light of an autumn morning as jamie's flock went afield cropping the grass blades along the accustomed track jamie saw waiting for him an old black and tan collie with brown whiskers sirrah sirrah lad sirrah came bounding almost up to jamie then suddenly remembering he dropped his head and stopped still with a piteous look that made jamie choke back a tightening of his throat sirrah lad you are not my ain collie now but you can come and speak to me in the morn old sirrah come 
sirrah came but the old trustfulness was gone he laid his muzzle in jamie's hand for one instant and then turned and walked sadly away following with his eyes the flock he had herded so faithfully and long but he made no attempt to follow jamie went on to the hills with a sick heart now and then he looked back at sirrah watching watching but the past could not return and the dog sat there deserted and forlorn many times after that jamie saw sarah waiting for him at the base of the hill but never again did he come near and never again did sarah do a day's work for any man he did not live long what was there to live for when his life-work was forbidden him when his faith was uprooted when his heart was broken End of section 4 Recording by Myra Parker